Hi, and welcome to the show uh, this week. Before I introduce our guest, I uh, just want to say that, as you might know from our previous messages, um, we have these great local branches now uh, sprouting up all over the country. Um, next week, that is on Saturday the 8th of July, we will be in Norwich. Uh, if you are in Norwich, or if you are in Norfolk, or indeed if you're not, and you want to join us, then please do get in touch. Uh, the best way is just simply via this email, which is events at newcultureforum.org.uk. Um, that way we can send you details uh, of the event. Suffice to say, it will be in Norwich on Saturday, the 8th of July. Maybe see you there. Now, my guest this week is the social influencer, Ollie London. Now, Ollie is notorious or famous, depending on the way you look at it. Uh, he was quite famously somebody who decided that he wanted to transition into being a Korean. Um, since then, he's actually transitioned in a number of different ways. Um, and now he is uh, a campaigner and indeed an author. He has a book coming out in August called Detransition, a memoir. And he's with me now. Um, Ollie, thank you so much for coming in. It's great um, to see you. As I said, the, the subtitle of your book is a memoir. Uh, I mean, you're pretty young to have a memoir, but then I was thinking about it and I was thinking, actually, you've done, that young. you've <laughs> covered, covered a lot of ground in yes. that amount of time, haven't you? Yes, yeah, so we've actually changed the title with the publisher, me, to Gender Madness now, just because, you know, even with autocorrect, the word detransition isn't recognized. So a lot of people aren't familiar with that term. Right. So the book is about all this gender madness that's going on right now, all the indoctrination of children in classrooms, yeah. all of this push to confuse children from a young age. And of course, you know, pushing children to yeah. be on hormones and puberty blockers. So it encompasses all of that. And you know, of course I was part of that at one stage, I was part of this kind of woke cult almost. And you know, I was indoctrinated by that. And you know, I had a very crazy identity. And at the time I didn't see clearly. And you know, I've had people around me saying, this is who you're meant to be and stuff. So you know, I was able to take a step back right. last year and realize my mistakes and been working on myself and now written a book about it and done a lot of research about what is really going on with all this woke ideology being pushed on people. So actually, well, you kind of answered my next question was before we look at what, you know, your life mm. and what you what you're doing, what what are you actually doing now? I mean, you, you are. Would it be right to say you're a campaign? You are a campaigner against on these issues because you've, yes. you've been all, across the media over the, you know, America, Australia here. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what happened is when I detransitioned and just realized, you know, I just need to live the way I was born and just be happy with myself and learn to accept myself. That was when I really started to see the issues in the world. And it's really within the last year we've seen these extremities, particularly in America, where, you know, children are being pushed into gender ideology. You have women's uh, sports being uh, made unfair, basically, mm -hmm. you have biological yeah. males winning titles. And then, of course, you have, you know, parental rights being removed and parents not even knowing that a teacher might be transitioning their kids. So you know, I've seen these growing issues. I've studied them. I've spoken with many people, parents, women, um, detransitioners, from all spectrums, even trans people as well. I've consulted with so many people to try and understand what's going on. And I really think it's a social contagion. And um, you know, so I've basically dedicated the last, since last year to campaigning to raise awareness of what's going on and look, nobody's trying to take away anyone's rights. Yeah. You know, everyone is fine if you want to live your way as an adult. But the real issue is when this is being pushed on children who are 
very impressionable. Also, when the uh, rights of women are being taken away, the space the women are taken away. So it's really a, a big issue right now. So I feel, you know, I've been working hard and I think so many people are speaking up about this. Yeah, well, they, they sort of are. I mean, obviously you go to America a lot. Mm. You say, Isn't it right that you actually spoke in front of the Senate? Yeah, so I've actually spoken in front of the Washington State Senate two times. Yeah. Um, basically, they were trying to pass some laws to um, sanction the state to almost kidnap children from their parents and uh, uh, take a child and put them into foster care mm. if the parent didn't want to change their gender. And that's very dangerous because most of these kids are extremely vulnerable. Mm. They might have trouble at home, you know, they might have mm. mental health struggles and they're being taken away from the comfort and safety mm. of their family, mm. put into foster care, and then they're being told to transition and you know, these new laws that have actually passed, sadly, they are allowing the caregivers of these children to uh, consent or even the child to consent in some cases to medically transitioning. And, you know, we're not talking about a kid that's just uh, changing their clothes, they're dressing up as yeah. a girl. This is cutting off their body parts and yeah. putting them on very dangerous hormones. This is uh, incredibly worrying. And also, I think it's true to say that America is further down the road than we are. Or? Right. I mean, we're a lot more advanced here. So I do a lot of campaigning in the UK, but I feel we're a lot more aware of the issues here. And for instance, the NHS recently changed their guidance. They've actually banned puberty blockers for children mm. unless it's in clinical research trials. Um, so that's a big step. And then we also had the news of the Tavistock Clinic when that was investigated. <coughs> it is still operating. They're supposed to be closing that down because there was untold levels of abuse and um, mm. no real medical ethical standards there. They were just getting kids in, uh, pumping them full of hormones, leave, leaving them. And there was no long term research and data to check mm. on the well-being of these kids after being on these um, powerful hormones. So I think we're more advanced with the conversation here. Of course, we do have things like Scotland's self-identity law, which yeah. caused a lot of issues. And um, you know, look at Nicola Sturgeon now. <laughs> She's not exactly <laughs> laughing now exactly, after no. everything she did. Um, but I think you know, America is really where this is uh, almost like a culture war because we're seeing basically California is trying to pass a law to um, take away the kids from parents and call their parents child abusers and charge them with child abuse yeah. if they don't consent to their child being medically transitioned. So that's a very extreme. Luckily in the UK, we're not at that stage and we're actually a lot more advanced and realizing, you know, common sense that we yeah. all have a, a duty to speak up. But yeah, there's a, there's a reason why it's more extreme in America because you know Americans are a lot more division. Yeah. You either have left or right, you have kind of black versus white, trans versus women, you know, it's very, very extreme. And um, and it's, it's kind of like a boiling point at the moment. So, yeah. Mm. I mean, what do you make of this? You know, this guy, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, mm. right? Uh, do you, are you encouraged by what happened as a result of that? I mean, you know, he was famously on Bud Light, uh, right. you know, and as a result, you know, it was a case of woke corporate corporate wokeness. As a result, there was a huge backlash and Bud Light went right down, didn't it? I mean, do you think that, uh, I mean, are you pleased about that presumably or what? I mean, look, I did when I first saw the partnership, I was one of the first people to raise awareness of it and tweet about it and yeah. stuff and, and speak about that on, on several networks. And you know, I thought it was a very bad decision because, you know, sure, everybody has the right to be represented, but this is a beer brand that's targeting middle yeah, Americans. Yeah. You know, you're targeting uh, 30 to 50 year old men. Yeah, you know, yeah. in Kentucky and Texas. So that's just um, brand suicide, basically, putting Dylan Mulvaney yeah. there because Dylan Mulvaney is somebody that has a bad reputation. He's not a great role model for trans people or LGBT mm. people. He is someone that has consistently mocked women. 
He's uh, joked about having periods and using tampons. He said he wants to become a lesbian and have a woman impregnate him. Just very things just that are very offensive. And uh, so Bud Light's decision to do that was, it was basically um, suicide for the brand and their mm. parent company, Anheuser Bush, actually lost $27 billion in stock value because it's just such a huge boycott. So I think there's two ways of looking at that. Firstly, it's offensive. Um, to consumers yeah. and secondly you know choosing someone like that as a brand ambassador is not good for your brand if you're a beer brand no no and your consumers aren't interested in that they're trying to change their demographic but it's completely destroyed the brand yeah it's just i mean okay that's a particular what you mm. say kind of a a, a beer for, for, for men men drink it but at the same time this general thing has sort of invade basically invaded lots of other spheres lots of other uh, businesses now it seems to be universal I mean what do you when you look say like someone like did the more you say he's not a good uh, he's he's not a good uh, role model for trans people what I've always found about it Ollie, is that you know the guys who do transition into uh, women they always adopt a certain sort of look yeah. of women I mean you know, some people call it women face, don't they, right? It's, it's what I would call 1960s Audrey Hepburn cocktail dress, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, in a way, very few women look or dress like that now. It's, it, this is what no one seems to point out. That's, you know what I'm getting at? That's a great point. And it's basically, it's taking a stereotypical woman mm. from maybe portrayed in Hollywood, like Dylan Mulvaney bases his look on Audrey Hepburn. And you, know, you have other people basing it on Marilyn Monroe. And it's, mm. it's taking that stereotypical woman and sexualizing it in, in many cases, mm. not every case, but um, glamorizing it and sexualizing. It. And you know, a lot of women don't identify with yeah. that particular look. And in the case of Dylan Mulvaney, he's done many videos where he's almost parodying women and acting like a ditzy blonde and stuff. And it's just not a, it's just mm. offensive to women. A lot of women have been upset um, mm. by his actions and stuff. And I think personally, he's done a lot of damage for his own community, you know, the mm. trans community, because mm. everybody thinks tra all trans people are like Dylan when they're not. You have some, you know, decent trans people that are just living their lives and they're just trying to go about their daily life. Then you have someone like Dylan who's over the top, you know, this kind of crazy act and it, it just uh, it just doesn't look good for their, his own community no I think I mean in, in your case just just to go back a bit I mean you've gone through a number of different transitions mm -hmm. haven't you and basically is it right to, apart from uh, gender tra uh, transition mm -hmm. also what you call Transracialism, would it be, or what? Yeah, so I used to live in Korea and I just started having surgery to try and make myself feel better. And I always had body dysmorphia, issues with gender. So I just started having surgery to improve my look. And I was like- So no. you're quite so you're quite happy at saying you had body dysmorphia? Oh I mean, yeah, yeah, very severe, very severe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I'd look in the mirror for hours and hours and hours at a time and try to make myself sick so I wouldn't have to go to school because I used to get bullied for the way I looked. And I really used to hide, you know, I'd wear hats, sunglasses, so I wouldn't want to be seen and stuff. I yeah. would always sit at the back of the class in college and university as well. So always struggle with that. So you know, I started just changing a few things. And then I kind of became addicted to that. And I based it on a Korean look because I was like, that's a beautiful look. It's a very feminine look. And um, you know, I did all of that. And you know, I was just like at the time, if all these people can identify as non-binary, genderqueer, two-spirit, you know, yeah, why can't yeah. I just say I like mm. the Korean lifestyle, mm. like the Korean look and stuff. Mm. And you know, obviously those woke, um, accepting, inclusive people went absolutely crazy over that. You know, it's, you know, they didn't want to add that to the LGBTQI plus thing. But at the end of the day, it was just me trying to have a specific look, trying to find happiness. But I was looking for happiness in the wrong place. I should have just worked on myself internally 
And, you know, I've got to that stage now, but it was very self-destructive behavior, almost like self-harming, you know, doing all those surgeries, trying to please myself, trying to adopt a new identity. How many surgeries were there in total? I mean, there was a lot. So it was 32 surgeries, but I think, I mean, I did a lot of surgeries at the same time. So I think I went under knife nine times in total. So, you know, you can probably see I have a lot of scarring. So I have um, scarring all around my forehead, nose, just under my lips. I've got scars on my neck. Um, so I'm kind of left with these scars, but you know, I don't necessarily regret the past because I think every scar is a, a life lesson. Yeah, yeah. It's made yeah, me realize, yeah. you know, what I've done is harmful to myself and other people that may yeah. look up to me online, but also it's made me realize that, you know, I need to try and encourage people to love and accept themselves for the way they are. Because, yes, yeah. you know, I don't think kids should be wanting, as soon as they become 18, wanting to have all this surgery and trying to look a certain way because they've seen something on Instagram or they've seen something in a movie. You know, I think we need to move away as a society from that because it's telling us that we're never good enough. Mm. And, you know, that's not good for young people that, you know, look at influencers online and they think, I want to become like that or I want to become like Dylan Mulvaney when they should really try and just find happiness with who they are. But, I mean, I think that the, obviously there's an enormous pressure, obviously, via social media. But, you know, the difference maybe is between people who don't do anything about it, maybe just kind of get depressed, and someone like you who goes ahead and does something about it. And, um, I mean, I just wonder, all the way along, when was the first time you had a procedure that... Um, so I was actually 23 years old, 23. so it was just a nose surgery. So I see. So basically, was there sort of really no one around you? Presumably you discussed it with people? Um, so my family actually really tried to stop me. I was in Korea, they were actually going to fly out there and stop me and yeah. they thought I was having a breakdown, which I kind of was. Where are you originally from, sorry, Ollie? Um, so I'm from Hertfordshire, Hertfordshire so right. okay. yes, um, but my family were actually considering coming to Korea to stop me yeah. because I mentioned I was going to fix my nose and it was something that really bugged me and they obviously saw that I had severe body dysmorphia and you know, I'd even as a kid, you know, I'd gone to therapy, I'd gone to dermatologists to try and fix parts of my face, I had very bad skin and nothing was ever helping me. So when I had the first surgery, it upset my family. So people did try to stop me. And then the more surgeries I had, the more secret I kept it. Yeah. Um, because I thought they're gonna try and stop me. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously I'd post it online for that validation. You know, the likes, the clicks and stuff. And you think, oh, I'm validated. People think I look good finally. Yeah, yeah. And it was never enough. And it's just, you know, it's a kind of snowball effect. So was it sort of more about your own personal appearance rather than, for example, having what you might call a gender dysphoria, you know, where, where basically you feel, you know, that you want to transition into a woman? Because you did do that, didn't you? Yeah, so it was basically, I had, I had so much confusion. So it was severe body dysmorphia. I was always very feminine. So I used to get teased for being feminine in school. But then in adulthood, I just wanted to initially change the way I looked to feel better about myself yeah, and yeah. try to beat that body dysmorphia. And it was just never good enough. So then I got to a stage in later adulthood where I was like, maybe the answer to my problems is the gender thing because I've yeah. always been more feminine. People have always said I'm more like a girl. So that's when I led into that. But originally it was just, I was trying to fix myself and I was trying to work out my identity and trying to change my identity yeah, just yeah. to try and find some ounce of happiness. And it was clearly the wrong thing to do. Thing is, you see, Alex, I think, you know, it's, it's, you, you are extremely open in, in talking about this now. I'm right, of course, writing about it. One thing that sort of struck me is that when you say like you were quite feminine, you know, growing mm -hmm. up, presumably as a kid and as a teenager. Yes. Um, and was bullied and such like. I mean, this is one of the, 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 the things that really strikes me about this whole issue at the moment is that once upon a time, you know, if like I'm a lot older than you, but like when I was sort of in, in my teens and if, if a kid was sort of 
feminine. The boy was feminine. The oldest one in the book used to be, oh, well, he's obviously a, a girl in a, 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 a boy's body, right? That used to be insulting, right? The, the whole gay movement was, a lot of it was about getting rid of those sort of stereotypes, yeah. actually. And now here we are back at square one, because in, essentially they said, oh, we'll grow out of it. Right? I used to play with my sister's dolls as well as action men. Mm. I used to do all of that. I didn't like climbing trees. Most right? kids are like that, yeah. But you kind of, you know, you settled out, and ba but basically, you know, just, uh, just emerged as a gay man. And I think that this is what is extraordinary, is that that now doesn't seem to be allowed. We've gone backwards, haven't we? Yeah, 100%. And like you said, most kids, they go through that experimental stage and you have a lot of girls that are tomboys. Yep. And, you know, yep. 30, 40 years ago, you would, they would just grow up and they'd be happy as an adult. They would settle down, have yep. kids and stuff. The issue now is that these kids are being told, you know, maybe you've got a girl that's more like a boy or vice versa. They're being told you are in the wrong body. We must mm. affirm your gender and therefore mm. put you in the medical um, you know, industry, um, and that's the harmful thing. And not only that, it's also, I think, what's happening is a lot of kids that are maybe, uh, as teenagers, exploring their sexuality, they're unsure of themselves, they might be coming out as gay or lesbian, they're struggling with that, but what they're being told is you're trans. Yes. So I actually think it's, um, some of these kids are generally just gay or lesbian, yep. but they're being told they're trans, and they're being transitioned, when really it's just they're unsure of their sexuality, and adults, whether that's teachers or school counselors or whoever, is telling them it must be because you're trans and that would explain why we see so many uh, numbers of trans uh, cases on the rise you know more people transitioning more gender dysphoria have you got any stuff. idea of the numbers for that oh. um it's very difficult because the thing is most of the research is done by these hospitals that perform mm. these surgeries mm. so it's very biased so for instance if you're ever looking for rates of detransitioners all of these clinics will say oh, it's only one percent because that's their data and a lot of them don't do that long-term follow-ups you know if someone did, they don't do the long-term studies but in terms of um, in America, I know about 1.6 uh, million um, identify as uh, transgender, really? um, which is a very big number. Mm. Um, so roughly, I believe 0.6% of the population. And um, you know, if you compare that from figures, I believe about 10 years ago, that was probably around 600,000. So we're seeing almost an increase yeah. of a million in a 10 year period and we have to look what is influencing that? You know, the world has changed. We've got a lot of social media now, TikTok, Instagram, mm -hmm. other things like that. The message we're seeing in Hollywood movies pushing this agenda and society as a whole pushing this. So we have to look at what has changed to make these numbers go up because it's, you know, there's always been people that are struggling with gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. There's always, mm -hmm. there's cases of people, the 80s, even in my book I spoke about, there was a Roman Empire, uh, emperor that was basically, he used to dress like a woman and wanted to be called madam and stuff. And there's always cases of people that have been- April Ashley. Exactly, for trans throughout history. Mm. But what's happening now is this number has suddenly skyrocketed in very recent mm. years. And that's the concerning thing, because a lot of people that wouldn't be trans normally, they haven't had these ideas. They are being told this is the, the your new identity without thinking of it themselves. You know, but the people that you mentioned there, say for example, mm. uh, psychologists, mm -hmm teachers, whoever else, people in hospitals. What do, you think, what do you think motivates them in their absolute certainty about, about this? Why should they encourage people? What, is, what do you, I mean, you can speculate, what is their motive? Why do they do it? 
I think in this stage in society, I think it's almost become like a cult. So it's ingrained in people's minds that this is the right thing to do. Mm. Because, you know, some teachers might have nefarious purposes. They think I want to transition all these kids and stuff because I'm trans myself or I'm LGBT myself. But others might generally be thinking it's the right thing to do. So there are cases of parents that transition their kids, believing that's the only solution for their child. So there's a, a clinic in California called Kaiser Permeate. It's being sued by 2D transitioners. and. Uh, they've basically told the same story with their lawsuit that um, the doctors told them, would you rather have a dead son or a happy girl? So basically they use that tactic that basically your child's going to commit suicide unless you confirm their gender. So I don't necessarily Ooh. blame, you know, parents, teachers in all cases, because some of them are generally indoctrinated to believe this is the right thing to do. And it's easy to see because, you know, it's all about trans pride at the moment. You see the trans flag everywhere and stuff. And it's like, you're being told that that's the only solution, mm. but really we're not looking at it kind of logically and thinking, hang on a minute, we're actually harming these kids. We should, if they're struggling, maybe yes. we should be giving them counseling or therapy or, or other solutions. So I think that's the danger. I think definitely, but you know, with this kind of stratospheric rise, mm. as you mentioned there, we mentioned social media and the part it mm. plays, definitely. I just been trying to wonder why exactly this would have suddenly taken off in this way. I mean, you know, and then be aided and abetted. And I mean, mm. I'm slightly disagree with you about the parents. I mean, since mm. at least should I say some of the parents you see on social media, to me, I look and think you're abusing your own children. They shouldn't put their kids on social media, hundred percent. Well, yeah. yes, exactly. Well, they put mm. them on social media, but essentially, uh, you know, they're, you know, they they're sort of proud of their transitioning and their, you know, or kids dancing in front of audiences and all this kind of thing. Mm. Do you just think? these parents are child abusers. Well, it is. Well, firstly, I don't think it's healthy for kids to be on social media in the first no, place, no, whether they're no. trans or not. I don't think it's a healthy thing for a kid to be on TikTok and the parents don't know what their kid's looking at. And there was um, the UK court system actually fined TikTok around 30 million pounds earlier this year because basically they had a million under 13s on the app and their rules of terms and service says 13 plus. Yep. So they found a million, so there's like over a million kids in the UK on yep. TikTok. So, and then the parents don't often monitor that. And then yeah. you've got the parents that actually include their kids in the videos. There's a, there's a one with 3.5 million followers, Irish um, family and basically transition their son um, from the age of about three or four on TikTok. Mm. And you've seen their journey and it's all about trans, the kids got the flag, you see them transitioning. And in that particular case with this specific person, I can clearly see that is abuse because this person, the dad clearly wants to be famous writing books, always doing TV shows, clearly wants to be famous and he's exploiting the trend at the moment, which is transitioning kids. So I think it's very harmful and I think parents should know better to do that because yeah. they have to realize there are so many outside influencers pushing uh, kids to transition mm. and change their gender and stuff. And we just need to let kids be kids, let them explore themselves on their own, let them find out who they are when they become an adult. We shouldn't be giving them outside pressures. So you're right in that sense. I think, you know, parents have a responsibility to keep their kids um, yeah. from this harm. Yeah. I mean, how would you define yourself now, Ollie? What are you, what are you now? Um, so I'm just me for the first time in my life. So I basically, <laughs> you know, I struggled probably for about 10 years with all this surgery, this identity crisis and stuff. So now I'm just uh, back to being me and... Um, Which is, how would you define, what, how do you identify? Just, um, you know, a normal British guy, um, you know, bisexual like guys or girls and stuff. I'm, I'm become Christian as well last year and stuff. So, mm -hmm. but now I would just describe myself as someone that's um, learned to accept themselves. And now I'm trying to help other people 
uh, find happiness from within because I think I think we're lost in this point in society you know we've yeah. got so many people being confused and pushed not just becoming trans but also trying to change themselves to look better because they've seen filters online so I think you know we need to take a step back in society yes. and try and um, protect um, you know all people do you, were most of your procedures um, most were they mostly facial or I mean how far did you go with transition did you you know how far did you go with the procedures well it's interesting because yeah most of my surgeries were facial but um, in I believe it's 2018 I actually had my male chest uh, fat removal so it's called gynecomastia so I had all the fat removed and my nipples changed and it's interesting because basically when I was uh, swimming at school people used to say I had man boobs or breasts right. so that was kind of a, a gender thing um, so I actually had all of that cut off and I've got really bad scarring I had to get correctional surgery um, I believe 2021 when I was in Texas so you know, I have done that on the body and that was originally trying to remove this what looked like breasts yeah yeah because I was confused and then most of the other work is facial work I did have facial feminization surgery which basically shaved all my bones uh, lip lift I had my hairline lowered uh, eyebrow bone shaved eye surgery just everything to make it more feminine smoother yeah, yeah, mm. yeah so and you know I kind of regret it because firstly I don't have much muscle movement um, in my face and and secondly you now I think it's gone too far because I've changed my bones I even have titanium screws in my chin and cheeks really? yeah I've got uh, I can show you an x-ray later I've got um, like screws here I think I've got two bolts here two bolts here and two bolts here and what does that mean does that mean that's that's it for life you've got that oh now. yeah you can't can't yeah, remove yeah, them and stuff yeah, and basically yeah. that was because I had all my bones shaved down yeah. to look more feminine yeah. and um, there's nothing you can do to get rid of that and sometimes if I yawn I get jaw lock and it's very painful yeah but you yeah. know I've I've done that now I can't turn back and no. you know I have thought should I get more surgery to fix it but that's just never-ending I'm never gonna be happy so I just thought you know what? I need to learn to accept myself mm. not necessarily a hundred percent happy I've kind of damaged parts of my face my nose and stuff but at the end of the day I just need to it's not important yeah, what you yeah. look like is not important it's yeah. what you feel inside and also how you're able to use your voice and your experience in life to help others um, I would have thought you, your voice in this will be particularly important having been pretty much right in the males to yeah. it all you, you didn't take sort of body check hormones or anything like that no you didn't no, to be honest, I'm a very healthy person, so I don't like taking any kind of medication, yeah, even if yeah. I have a headache. Um, but it's funny because I was doing all that surgery and stuff. But um, yeah, I didn't get into hormones because I know that does do a lot of crazy changes. I mean, it changes the muscle growth, it, yeah. you develop breast tissue and stuff. Yeah. But I was actually consulting with doctors in Thailand for uh, breast surgery and even penis removal surgery just to try and fully transition. So I was right. going to go down that route. Yeah. And I consulted with different doctors and stuff. And you know, it sounded very easy, but obviously now I know that that is the most risky and difficult surgery. Mm. Many people need correctional surgeries. Mm. You have a lot of internal bleeding. It's very, very dangerous. So I'm glad I didn't go that extreme absolutely yeah mm. can I ask there's one thing that's very interesting uh, I've, I've been thinking about a lot which your 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 case highlights really in a way actually you you what you absolutely adore Korean culture didn't you I I'm it, going yeah. right as you've already mentioned this yes yeah and uh, you wanted to become uh, Korean yeah what do you think of the view that if this whole thing particularly with kids is going to be stopped in its tracks if, or if it's going to be challenged it will be on the kind of racial issue, i.e., you know, somehow you mentioned it. You said people used to uh, 
be fine and encouraging when you wanted to be maybe a woman, mm -hmm. but when it came to changing race, Very somehow crazy. or other they got incredibly angry. Now, I, I sort of feel that is the next kind of frontier in this whole thing, isn't it? Even though you've been through it, mm -hmm. it well, kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it also kind of exposed the hypocrisy yes. of it because yes. all of these people are saying you can literally identify as 100 different genders, 100 different pronouns. So my thinking at the time was, why not? All of these people have their own identities. Yeah. Why not? Because, you know, it's not as extreme as someone identifying as a fairy, which is that they identify as an animal. Not that extreme. So, um, but yeah, that's what it, the thing is what's laying, what's being laid open now is, you know, obviously now you've got LGBTQI plus 2S, yeah. whatever. Um, and it's just constantly adding things and stuff. And that can lead to things you have uh, grown males identifying as children and adult babies. Yeah. And, you know, if that is affirmed and added to that alphabet, you know, yeah. that's, very dangerous and at this stage they're adding all sorts you know to this um kind of lgbtqi plus alphabet yeah, so yeah. you know two-spirit which is kind of a confusing term what even is two-spirit <laughs> yeah. i get confused as well it's basically it's some kind of native american thing if you identify as uh you have spirits of male and female inside you it's it's insanity and then what happened the other day which i was I thought was very disrespectful. The guy that actually created the latest LGBT flag, the intersex flag, which you can see on Regent Street, yeah. you know, there's like a hundred yeah, yeah. flags and you might have seen the video, the builders threw the British flag to the floor. And there was a video went absolutely viral. The British flag was thrown to the floor, like very disrespectful and replaced with yeah, hundreds yeah, of yeah. this flag. And the flag designer for this, which is the one that all of the LGBT groups are now using, he actually made a design on Twitter the other day and added autism to the pride. That's right. This is this kind mm. of, what's that sign? It's like a fish sign. I mean, it? a lot of people said it was, um, yeah, it was kind of like the infinity sign or it yes, was off some yes, kind of yeah. cartoon. I can't remember the cartoon. Some, yeah. But anyway, it was very disrespectful to conflate sexuality mm. with, um, you know, autism. And um, what I think behind that is kind of nefarious because there's a lot of kids with autism that are being told they are trans. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the statistics, I have um, the research and data inside my book. Um, it's about, um, it's, a, it's a high number of kids. I think one in six kids that are transitioned have severe autism. Mm. So we're seeing this um, phenomenon of, you know, kids are being taken because they're struggling with their autism. You know, they might be nonverbal, they might be struggling, and doctors are saying, oh, the reason your kid is struggling is because they're transgender. Yeah. We need to get them on hormones, and this is gonna be the solution to all your problems. Yeah. So that's really dangerous. So the fact when I saw that guy, you know, he was saying, oh, it's for Autism Awareness Day, but I just thought that was shocking, and yes. you know, they probably will add it next because they're adding all sorts of different things, and I think that's the danger is, like you said, race being added and adult babies and you know it just opens well, I think, the door i think mm. uh race has been added via the yes, various right. different spires yes. um, exactly. you're right actually yeah I just, I, I, at the same time what i mean is more is that i can't see people like black lives matter and everything being that pleased i think that you know that people say yeah sure why can't i be mm. if i'm white why can't i transition to black or the other way around black to white uh, i think this will be the big kind of thing that changes it because mm if you take this logic you should be able to do it mm. so uh, essentially it, i think that that will suddenly um uh break apart you you um you mentioned uh, the pride flag there what do you make of it now we, we, this is going out today uh, sunday so we've just had the end of pride month um oh it hasn't finished because they've got the pride parade um saturday so it would oh, yeah, really? so it would just but 
you know, there are some people, Canada's trying to declare it a season for Pride next. So. <laughs> what do you make? What do you make of it? I mean, you know, your... I think it's it's too much because you know it's all good for people to celebrate and stuff, but I think it's really a disservice for what LGBT movement was originally yeah, founded yeah. on. I mean, the original flag was fine in, in itself. Yeah. I think you know, 50 years ago, people really had to fight just to love who they want to love and yeah. to fight for that inclusivity and just to be accepted. Yes. You know, and and that was you know very good and. Now I think all of these people, these activists have done such a disservice to what it means to be LGBT. And there are so many people that are lesbian, gay or bi that do not um, identify with what's mm -hmm, happening mm -hmm, now. And mm -hmm. we saw recently um, pride parades. There was uh, Seattle, uh, Toronto, and you had naked adults, many in fetish gear with dog masks and, and harnesses and cycling. There was a naked mm -hmm. cyclist and there was a kid cycling along with them. And you think you're pushing this in front of kids yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. almost become a fetish parade. And it's not about anymore. It's not about love. It's yeah. not about who you want to be with. It's become a big fetish parade, and I think that's really damaging to lesbians, gays, and bisexual people because they're now being conflated that that is their identity. So maybe you have someone that was on the fence of supporting people that are gay. They see this, and that just turns them away. So I think well, apparently that really is happening actually on the scale. I mean, apparently, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I more and more gay guys uh, and, and lesbians that I know mm -hmm. don't really want anything more to do mm -hmm. with the whole thing for reasons I totally get. Um, but apparently now there is this growing sort of unswelling of, of basically people who are getting more hostile again, you know, which is the worrying thing, isn't it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's basically making it worse for ordinary lesbian, gay, bisexual yeah. people or even trans people because there are, you know, I have trans friends. They are not associated with any of this. They are horrified. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm someone that's in the LGBT community. I am blacklisted from going to pretty much any gay club in this country. I'm banned from a lot of prides simply for my views, simply right. for saying, I don't think it's right to do this to kids. Yeah, yeah. I think we should stick up for women. And this is what it's become. It's become yes. a cult and you have very powerful lobby groups. You have GLAAD um, human rights campaign in America and GLAAD just released a list of 250 celebrities. Yes, GLAAD is the, uh, what would you say is the equivalent here? I know it's the, it's the gay and lesbian what does it stand for? But it's, it's like yeah. the gay uh, right kind of, yeah. Basically one of the biggest yeah. ones. Um, so, yeah, so basically they are now saying they've got 250 celebrities to basically calling on social media. They've written an open letter to Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram, TikTok, calling to basically ban anyone that criticizes um, medical uh, transitions on kids. Mm. Anyone that's considered hate speech, they want our accounts taken down. Yeah. So that, you know, hate speech, as you know, with um, what you do is uh, very open mm. for definition. And, mm. you know, fundamental free speech is protected in this country and, mm. and many countries around the world. And there's a danger with that is these groups declaring hate speech. And you know, this specific letter signed by these celebrities and GLAAD was basically saying that anyone that's critical of transitioning kids and they said medical necessary of uh, transgender youth. And so if, for instance, someone like me says, this is not right, I'm campaigning against mm -hmm. it, they are basically calling these social media companies to close my account. No, and that's where outrageous. we're going. And that's yeah, yeah. the danger with yeah. what these lobby groups are doing because it's not about love and acceptance anymore. It's now pushing this extreme view on the masses. And if we don't comply, we are silenced. And yeah, I yeah. think that's dangerous. And, you know, look at these hospitals, these billions of dollars are being made by doing this to kids. There's a lot of money involved. We see these, there's uh, a group called uh, Gilson, G-L-S-E-N, LGBT lobby group. They made a couple of million a few years ago. Now they're making 66 million a year because they're getting funded to push this. And, you know, a lot of their funds come from these uh, hospital groups. 
Well, I mean, it's it's what is. By the way, when you going forward now, you know, when you the book comes out and everything, do you do you expect to get asked onto what you what we call the legacy media, what the mainstream <laughs> media? I mean, presumably you did quite a bit of that before, did you? I mean, do you get asked on, or or, or do they not want to hear your views? Now? No, so not just me, but anyone that's critical of yeah. transitioning kids or sticks up for women, you are not invited on the BBC. You're not invited on question time or anything like that and same goes in america i never get invited on cnn anything you know um washington post new york times i've done interviews with new york times before but i'm not uh not since i detransitioned because they are very much against this narrative yeah, yeah. so they don't even give you a platform and no matter who you are so there's riley Gaines, a very famous swimmer in america yeah. she She's on every every channel, Fox News, all the time, and she's always campaigning for women. She's never been invited on CNN, and you know, I'm very open. If if I'm invited, I will go on that yeah, because yeah. I want to educate that audience. I want to try and convince yes. some of the parents watching. Yeah. You need to be on the side of protecting your kids. You know, don't get fooled yeah. by this. But yeah. it, it's sad, and you know, they're they're very biased. I mean, I had Rolling Stone recently reached out to me. They were doing basically a hit piece, and based on their email, there was also they did a hit piece on me and Matt Walsh and. I didn't respond because I was like, they're not going to give me a fair, you know, yeah, and yeah. so I'm not going to do interviews with someone that doesn't give me a fair argument yeah, because yeah. especially as a journalist, your mm. job is to be balanced yeah. and unbiased and present both sides of the argument. And the article was just it was a terrible example of journalism. And mm. um, so I think the legacy media is very much opposed to people that have different views. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we see what Ofcom does to GB News, which yeah, is yeah. atrocious, yeah. the way they treat them and you know, trying to demand um, Nigel Farage's award gets taken away, won an awards yeah. recently. And he's having a tough time just because of his views. Lawrence Fox, GB News presenter. Mm. And it, at the end of the day, it's free speech. We need to defend that. And the legacy media appears to be more and more against anyone that goes against the narrative. So I think it's sad, but thank goodness we have, you know, New Culture Forum and other platforms now that are really trying to hammer this message in that we need to have this conversation. And some very, very brave people like Kathleen Stock. Very you brave, know, incredibly and, uh, brave, yeah. And Look, uh, thank you so much, Ollie, for coming and uh, talking, uh, talking yeah. about that, um, and uh, you know, and being so frank. Actually, mm. um, it, it's it, it's great. The book is called Detransition, is it? Well, no, it's, sorry. It's, yeah, don't worry. Sorry. <laughs> yes, say it again. Yeah. What is book? Well, it's, so it's now called uh, Gender Madness. Uh, Gender Madness. Yes, correct. Um, so it's out August fifteenth, um, and I will be doing some book tours in America. I'll right. be doing some in the UK as well after. So people can uh, follow me on Twitter, Ollie London TV, or Instagram London Ollie for updates about when that's happening. And right. um, you know, I hope uh, many people can read it and uh, wake up to see what's going on and to to try and stick up for kids and women. Yeah. Well, great. And um, and. All the very best with it. Anyway, thank you. So thank you very much indeed, Ollie London. Uh, that's it. Gender madness. <laughs> this is what it's called, not detransition. Gender madness. Um, we shall see you next week. Thanks very much. Bye. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, 
free copies of our books and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.